Welcome to Focused Fire Chat. Explore together. Welcome back for episode 64 of Focus Fire Chat, recorded live on December 16th, 2016 on Twitch.tv. Big shout out to the live chat here. Thank you so much for spending your evening with us. This is your host, Blue Crew 86. Alongside me, we have the flowery voice of Justin Sane 0516. Justin, how have the uh, drops been for you this week? Ah, uh, man, I dropped my keys on Tuesday. That's... My internet's been out all week. It's been awful. <laughs> I I just logged in for the first time today, and oh, so uh, I got to, yeah to run some errands for Eva Levante mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. she's lazy. <laughs> Otherwise, it's been it's been wonderful. Uh, <laughs> we also have with us again Mel. Mel, it's been too long. Hope you're feeling. I know better. it's been forever. I think it's actually been a month. Since I've been able to be on here. So yeah. it's good to actually to hear your wonderful serenade of mm-hmm. your voices once again. We try. We try. <laughs> <gasps> oh, thank you. <laughs> how, have things, how have things been? Uh, aside from being really sick for two weeks and out of town and then really busy working, everything's been, I guess, okay. <laughs> have you gotten a chance to uh, play pod racer yet in destiny i haven't no i i actually have been really bad about destiny i haven't touched it in a while for i don't know maybe i'll log on for just a little bit but i've been kind of just kind of like okay i burned through the new content i don't i have no more light levels to gain uh we already did everything in the raid so what do i do now oh that's mm-hmm. right nothing so um so i've been playing a couple of other games recently i picked up the witcher 3 finally so i've been oh, nice. kind of playing through that and i'm loving it yeah it's, um it looks pretty i picked up some of the the dlcs for fallout and stuff so i'm playing through some of that and then i picked up the remastered version of skyrim during mm-hmm. like this is during their mm-hmm. black friday deal so everything was super cheap so um i'm gonna kind of take a break but i think i'll definitely pop on because i want to see what they have for the new slr stuff so we'll see yeah i completely i completely support your skyrim purchase (laughs) my skyrim i i'm i'm afraid to get back into it because i know if i actually start it up (laughs) and now that they have mods available oh i know um, i know it's a right i'm afraid i'm gonna lose my life so i kind of it's a life What's what's life? That's is that what happens so, after Skyrim's done? Oh, I think that's yeah. something you're supposed to be doing. During oh, Skyrim? oh, yeah. I don't I know. Think. Concurrently, concurrently, concurrently. Yes, yeah. yes. Okay. Unfortunately, I don't have that experience, so <laughs> I I can't speak on that. So. Uh, well, the topic of today's chat is going to be an exploration of the weapons which our enemies wield. It is said that if you know the enemy as well as yourself, you do not need to fear the result of a hundred battles. And given the foreseeable future that lies ahead of, of our guardians, it would behoove us to be prepared for even more than that. Before we get into that, however, I do want to have, or I do have a few housekeeping notes. In our last chat, we took a look at the human race. If you missed that and have any interest in hearing our thoughts, please be sure to check out www.focusfirechat.com for archives of all previous chats, as well as links to all our various other pages. If you don't mind, please give us some feedback on iTunes to let us know how we're doing. As many of you already know, 
Focus Fire Chat is a cross-community gathering where the intent is to offer a week-long, in-depth view of a particular subject from within the lore of Destiny and other games. This chat begins every Tuesday morning and runs until the following Tuesday, with topics decided by the group via a poll that begins every Friday and ends on the Tuesday morning of the new chat. Every Friday at about 10 p.m. Central, we get together to stream a recap of the previous week's chat for those who are unable to participate. Please be sure to also give some support to the other podcasts in the Guardian Radio Network found at theguardiansofdestiny.com. These podcasts include Guardian Radio, which is the official podcast for the Guardians of Destiny, Guardian One, and Ghosts and Echoes, which also has the Destiny audio grimoire included. Our next chat is going to be a discussion on Guardian Vehicles. Please note, however, due to holiday schedules, we're actually going to be recording the next episode on Tuesday night, which is December 20th, instead of next Friday. So with all that, let's go ahead and explore what information we have about our enemies' equipment. Justin, why don't you give us, uh, give us a really good introduction? Yeah, yeah. Um, so do we want to go ahead and start with the old slug rifle from the Cabal? Yeah, I think that's that's a good. Everyone loves the cabal. Yeah, yeah, the cabal and their annoying, annoying <laughs> weapons. Um, so we start out with their one of their lightest um, weapons, which is the slug rifle, the workhorse of the cabal field arsenal. This weapon's apparent simplicity belies the technology behind it. Each round is a micro rocket capable of efficient operation in varying environmental and gravitational conditions. Standard-issue warheads mount a duplex explosive that combines an armor-piercing penetrator with a flesh-shredding shrapnel bus. Cabal forces on Mars favor rockets with low velocity but high impact, perhaps due to their effectiveness against the Vex. In Guardian parlance, these weapons deal solar damage. And kind of makes sense because the Vex are rather slow-moving, that they would Come deal on. mainly in... yeah. Uh, no, no, I'm saying the Vex. Oh, 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 the, oh, oh, oh. Yeah, the the Cabal like these these types of weapons because they deal these these high impact, um, high damage projectiles. But they're slow moving, and it doesn't really matter because their targets are very slow moving mm-hmm. for the most part. The uh, the other thing that this <clears throat> and we we'll get into this a little bit when we start talking. Is, I know Mel will probably touch on this with the. Uh, the I guess the costume analysis too, but the other thing that this really actually points out is that guardians they, they refer to the energies of the universe in a different format because it says it calls it out. It says in guardian parlance, these weapons deal solar damage, which implies that the cabal don't have the same terminology that we do. Which I mean. If you think about it, it kind of makes sense. They're an alien race. They're going to obviously have a different language. But it also kind of maybe hints at that there's a different understanding of the cosmic energies that the Cabal see than the Guardians or, you know, anyone who has access to something that's a little paracausal might have. Because, you know, the Cabal will we, – we talked about this a little bit in a few – in, you know, the Cabal episode. But – the uh, the cabal don't really deal with anything supernatural. Um, they're just kind of you know straight in your face warrior race, and so when when we talk about solar or void or 
arc, you have to remember that's the the light. That's light energy. And that's not how they would understand it. it it's not, you know, it's just to them, it's just, oh, this is plasma. Um, so I think that's that was a really interesting kind of side conversation that we had in the chat from from this card specifically. So Do you want to go to the next one? Yes. Let's jump uh, into the okay. next one. So, All right. So the next one we have is the projection rifle. This open fire salvos of explosive rounds designed to incapacitate, disorient, and destroy. The weapon fields ballistic data to each projectile at the moment of launch, coordinating the salvo for maximum effect. These weapons deal solar damage. Um, I think it's interesting how this specific race weapon is so much on the data of killing. Like we need to have all the analytics. We need to know exactly uh, where, where it's going, what it's firing, what it's hitting, how fast is it going? Mm -hmm. Um, It's, it's very much almost a science to them um, on how basically to destroy other things. So. Yeah. And, the other thing that I would point out on this card, really, and the slug rifle, I forgot to point this out with the slug rifle, but this is the same thing as the slug rifle. Um, mm-hmm. The slug rifle actually calls it out. It says this weapon's apparent simplicity belies the technology behind it. So slug rifle, it's like, okay, yeah, it's a you know a rifle that shoots small rockets, which is in and of itself kind of scary. But a projection rifle actually is calculate. It's like a small mortar launcher or mm-hmm. mortar rounds and it's actually calculating the arc and the energy and you know all this stuff each trigger pull this this little this little well not little but this gun is doing all those calculations itself not relying on the user to actually aim it correctly it it will it will lock on and target targets based off you know i'm sure there's a locking mechanism within the cabal hud but it actually calculates all that web, that ballistic information at the moment of launch and it coordinates mm-hmm. its salvo for ma- I mean that that technology is really really d- disturbing in the fact that of how advanced it is but if you look mm-hmm. at if you just look at these weapons it's like oh yeah it's a you know it's a grenade launcher or something whatever it's not. It's it's actually yeah, a, so it's a supercomputer. Yeah, it's like a small mm-hmm. supercomputer that's actually thinking of itself. And, you know, Guardians have these weapons as well. Guardians weapons have not, I wouldn't really call them smart AIs, but they have a, a rudimentary AI. So we start seeing that the Cabal actually have something pretty similar to it. So, so you're telling me that they have the best Autobot, auto-aim bot in the whole entire game. Their yes. auto aim is disturbingly <laughs> accurate. Yes. So, and, go ahead. No, Jeff. go ahead. Uh, no, uh, I was just gonna say this exists in real life, and the kind of the nomenclature for it's it's fire and forget. Mm-hmm. So yep. essentially, you paint a target um, with whatever you know, whatever kind of technology you're doing it with, and then after that, you fire the round, and you can run, jump in a vehicle drive away, whatever happens in the round is going to do the rest. Yep. So it reminds me a lot of the fifth element. Yes. The secret bullets. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's not, it's not as drastic as that, but it is very similar. You know, you, you, yeah, it's, 
But yes, it they their auto aim is you think you think our auto aim is bad in PvP. <laughs> the, cabal, the cabal make us look like we're <laughs> so but the next you want to you want to go to the next next step up um, for the cabal? Or I, you had, got... I had one last comment though. I it. wonder what this says about the actual cabal themselves. Um are these the creatures that are in the suits like are they actually just completely mindless drones that are just walking around and have like some pre-programmed like okay go 50 paces north until you smell something different and then pull the trigger like or they actually you know are are the each individual soldier have enough fortitude to kind of go oh let's do the thing like let's go to this side and block this guy and then we will use our weapons because they will do the correct you know you know arc and stuff I would I, I, I would argue wonder. I would argue it's going to be the latter. Um, we have a lot of cards of cabal reports. We have you know <clears throat> different communications between cabal, especially the higher ups like the primuses. Uh, right, they, they definitely. Are, but are you I mean you're you're talking more about like the actual legions and you know the right? The I'm thinking more of like the small little grunts. Like, are they literally just mindless drones, like pawns to the higher ups <laughs> of the cabal? I'm not talking about like you know obviously the higher ups mm-hmm. and like the bosses and stuff we fight. Obviously, yes, they very they have some type of. Um, brain behind their skull that is telling you know that is commanding them but i'm talking more of just like the small pawns within the cabal forces that you literally just plow down in a matter of seconds yeah i think again i think they i mean we know that they can be promoted from within uh so there Hmm. there's definitely a level of independent thought there like we we know that um and we see there is there are conver- like I, I can't remember which card it is. There's a conversation uh, between t- uh, the centurions, but <clears throat> there there's actually mention of like the broken legion, and you know they they all kind of chose to follow their primus when he decided to walk away, um, and so there there was there was kind of a hint that they had a choice, you know, they could follow the, the, the empire or they could follow their leader and they chose to follow their leader. So there's, there's a degree of choice there. And, you know, he definitely did not succeed in his little attack on the reef and ended up in the prison Mm -hmm. of elders, but Mm -hmm. the, the followers of his actually chose to follow him now, whether, and the other thing is, is with the cabal, the thing that a lot of, of people I think confuse for lack of intelligence necessarily is their adherence to command. They are, they're the perfect soldiers really. Well, not perfect because they're not, nothing's perfect. That's mortal, but they are, you know, they are designed and modeled after armies of soldiers who follow command regardless of the cost of their own lives because they you know that that's just how they've been presented that's how their their weapons are presented i mean real, realize we were talking about the technology and the weapons so the weapons are not just the weapons don't just think for themselves the weapons are connected to a battle net that spans the entire basically the entire cabal presence within any system so every single weapon is communicating with every other single weapon so when it starts talking about the the 
you know, calculations for the maximum impact of a salvo, it's not just saying this weapon, this weapon A is calculating. It's calculating this weapon A in conjunction with weapon B, C, D, all the way through Z, and all those potential firing solutions that those could have. And then it's going to fire based off that calculation. So, I mean, that's what I mean is when they, when I'm saying that they have a handheld supercomputer, that's literally what it is. It's a, it's a wireless mm-hmm. computer that's communicating with every single other piece of tech that is in the cabal battle network. And then it'll do this in a, a split second. And then it decides what the angle of fire is. That is all to say a, comp- a, a piece of tech is only as good as the operator. Um, now I'm not saying that every single cabal is a super genius about, you know, programming and stuff like that, but I get the sense that cabal are really big on if something breaks in the field, it's up to you to fix it, you know, like either that or you leave it behind. Um, so I, I think that I, I've, I, I definitely think personally, I definitely think that the cabal, even the, the mindless drones, I guess, if you want to label them as such are not mindless. I think that they, they are fully yeah. aware of what they're doing. They just, they've been ingrained for, for as far as we know, it seems like they've been ingrained with their entire life to follow orders. And so they follow orders regardless of what, you know, what that, is, that order is. Justin, I know you had, you wanted to throw something in there. Yeah. Yeah. I was just gonna say, I don't like, uh, the term mindless drones so much for, for the cabal right. lower level infantry units. I, I like to think of them like infantry units and, and in real life in our army, they're infantry units. Now each individual soldier within an infantry infantry unit is not permitted to make his own decisions in battle. He's commanded and there's a chain of command and it's actually mirrored with the cabal. Now that does not mean he's mindless. That does not mean he can't take in the data he sees with his eyes and the things he hears and, you know, all of his ground level Intel that he's getting. That does not mean he can't take those things in and make decisions based on them, but it just means that the larger troop movements and stuff that's up to someone a step above him now, I think each one is an individual. Um, they're, they're not like the Vex. They're not, you know, a hive mind. Um, but there is the battle net. So you can imagine that all the data from all these boots on the ground is getting uploaded to the battle net and making, you know, the mission intel is increasing with each encounter. Um, but I think definitely that the individuals wielding these weapons are are individuals they're just they're just kind of um ah, what's what's a good word for it compliant not yeah they're they're compliant they're good they're obedient soldiers right i guess is 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 a good way to see it. and you can see these kind of uh examples of personality with them uh in exactly what blue talked about when you know when the primus went down on the dreadnought they said no nope, we're going for him you know what I mean? That's yeah, yeah. The the shield. That's brothers. a personal choice. Yeah, it's a personal choice. But I think yeah, Mel, that it's a it's a good question. Um, I mean, I know I know it's not necessarily got anything to do with the actual weapons, but I mean, oh yeah, left left in chat. Yeah, 
the cabal are similar to the sanitarians when it comes to individual troops yeah it, anyone who watches doctor who that that is really accurate they may even have a weakness in the back of their neck um <laughs> but if we ever saw it if we ever they saw never it. run away yeah well if, fair enough fair enough um <laughs> yeah so i mean but i yeah it's it's a good question uh but I, I really, I really, I don't see them as if any, if any of the enemy races would be considered mindless. I would argue that, and this is definitely not the case, but to a degree, the Vex would probably be the closest because of the simple capacity right. of their well, their shared state. But even they are not by any means mindless. But they, yeah. it's, well, you know, it's 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 a weird. Well, yeah. when you're dealing with the Cabal and the Fallen and other other races like that, you're dealing with um, individual beings that mm -hmm. were assimilated into a larger group. Right. When you're dealing with the Vex, that's not quite so much right, the, right, the right. case. You know, you're dealing with you're dealing with tailor made beings that you know. Sure, their Vex milk was all scooped out of the same pot, but. Um, we're not dealing with individual beings here. We're de we're dealing with more of a collective. I think. Yeah. No, and that and that's and that's really true. Um, but you know, so going going back to the weapons, Mel, was that was that good? You want to keep delving? No. Okay. I was just as exploring this. <clears throat> no, no, this yeah. Idea that I thought it might have been relevant. So. Right. No. It it is, and it is. It is. Um. I I really. It's a. It's a. Like I said, I think it's an excellent excellent conversation point um but in to get back on the weapon so the next step up in the cabal armory is the heavy slug thrower and this card says this devastating squad support weapon is capable of completely halting enemy advances with a hail of micro rockets. It performs so well that it has undergone very little enhancement or modification since its introduction. The Cabal's Colossus heavy infantry units wield heavy slug throwers to devastating effect. In Guardian parlance, these weapons deal solar damage. <laughs> I would like the specs on what's the count of rocket difference between a salvo and a hail. A lot. <laughs> a drastic difference. A drastic difference. <laughs> Jesus, what was the... Uh... Yeah, the projection rifle is more like four or five rockets maybe, and the heavy thrower i think is maybe like in the 12 to 14 range yeah i don't know it's a laser it's a it's a red laser line that's all i know yeah and it melts things um this one this one is i i think the interesting thing for the heavy slug thrower for me is just the the sheer size of it it's it's so big that even a normal cabal can't pick it up yeah, it's got to be a colossus. It's, it's the colossus is, I mean, like you don't and and so this is that's that's telling because I mean, well, well, when we get to the next card for the the well, the last card for the cabal, we'll talk about that because it's like these cabal cabal are not weak creatures, so that's something to, to consider to consider. So, well, and then I think Justin, you have the the last card, yeah. That we're going to talk yeah. about for the Cabal. 
the Cabal Shield, the most annoying game mechanic in the <laughs> history of game mechanics is a Cabal with a freaking shield. Um, built to the same spec as, a, as Cabal hull plating, this tactical shield is nearly indestructible to conventional weapons. It has integrated sensors that relay information not only to the shield bearer, but also to the Cabal Battle Network, allowing nearby units to coordinate more effectively. See, that's bull****, because what should be the only drawback of using a shield is that you can't see on the other side of it. And they've completely (laughs) negated that whole thing. It sounds like you're just salty that you didn't think of it first. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. A little bit. Um, no, you can kind of see the sensor on it, too, when you look at the uh, the photo of it. It's, it's the round little um, kind of eye, which I think begs the question, why can't I shoot that out? Um, but Stop. <laughs> that's me. Stop trying to break game mechanics. Just, just okay. go with it. Just shoot, just shoot the feet or the hand. The feet or the hand or the or the pig head. Um, <laughs> I, I will say this: it is primarily a defensive tool. But if anyone who's been knocked off of something by this thing uh, will tell or you across that, the map, yeah, across Ooh. the map and then into the sky and then Scablands looks really pretty from high up. Yeah, it you, does. You you remember when the Taking King first came out? And we were <laughs> Fred. Oh, <laughs> Fred! Oh, Fred! Exactly where I'm going. Oh, yeah. how I hate you! <laughs> oh, that never man. gets old, by the way. No, it doesn't. It it really doesn't, actually. So, fun oh. fact: I'm kind of an. I uh, my uh, Zach will always charge really far ahead ahead of me because i'm one of those people oh look at this beautiful rendering of the scenery hun. do you see the colors here look at this are you looking at the skybox yeah and i'll be like he's just i'm gonna look at it later i'm like okay and uh i remember when he went he was the first one that went through that door and i just see his body go so far at the horizon i can't see it anymore <laughs> so, so anytime good. we have to do that, if we have to ever do that mission, I always let him go first because he never remembers. <laughs> <laughs> That's like the the obligatory. <laughs> hey, follow follow the the bright ball in the King's Fall ring. Yeah, just just follow it. Follow it. Right. It's telling you where to stand. Mm-hmm. Thunk. Oh, <laughs> uh, so yeah. I mean, again, the Cabal Shield. The so. I understand it's not necessarily it's not technically a weapon, but um, it oh, is crap. at the same time. You know, like I mean, anyone anyone who has been batted across the map by this thing knows that that's absolute BS. That this is not a weapon. Um, so, and the other the other thing that this shows is another nod to the fact that simplicity is hiding a extremely extremely advanced piece of tech um it is i mean so keep in mind that what this is doing is anytime you see a phalanx wall basically they are broadcasting everything that their shields are showing to a battle network which is then uploaded to every single cabal in the area so i mean just 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 keep that i mean just think about that for a moment it's Everything the Cabal do is actually very sophisticated. 
even though to us it seems like it's a bit clunky because they are giant space rhinos. But everything they're doing is coordinating. I mean, it makes it makes you realize just how smooth of a war machine this thing really is. So I think I mean that's that's the Cabal's armory for as far as grimoire cards. Um mm-hmm. not not a lot. I we understand that. Not a lot. They don't they don't really need a lot. They kind of make do with what they have. Um the next the next one we're gonna start talking about the fallen. Now the fallen, on the other hand, have a very big armory. They have multiple options when it comes to how to kill people. So I think uh Mel, I think you have the yeah. the introductory card for the well the, I guess the first weapon card for the fallen. I do. <clears throat> so the first ones we're going to be talking about are the cannons, which mm-hmm. I'm sure if we've all played the recent raid, we're pretty familiar with the different cannons. So we have the null cannon. Fallen splicers have been busy playing with what they've looted from the hive. A spike of void energy binds to the heavy cannon scaffold for a powerful charge and detonate missile. So that's that's kind of it. And I don't really want to, there's not too much other to say about the null cannon um, just that it's a giant cannon and you pull the trigger and hold it and then it does a giant big huge thing. It's kind of interesting though that they are saying that this has been taken from Hive technology. Right. So um, I guess it's then it's reminiscent of the boomers is mine going to imagine what they probably took that from? Yeah? Yeah, in the- <clears throat> yeah, their work with the Void. Right. And I think the other thing to keep in mind is, and Hurt saying this in chat right now, um, you know the cabal cabal was all about intelligence and understanding and they and their weapons were very um the uh the weapons for the cabal were all original you know like the cabal actually they developed those weapons the fallen on the other hand is pure scavenger right um they they scavenge and they they cobble together their their weapons um predominantly a lot of the original fallen weapons was um was arc so it's it's nice to see that this this cobbling together has kind of brought in other elements as well so but mm-hmm. i guess and i know mel you're <laughs> i know i'm probably gonna touch i'm touching on a few things that i know you're gonna definitely get into later as well so i'll just i'll cut myself off and we'll go to the scorch (laughs) canyon so the scorch cannons and the card says scorch cannons are shoulder mounted heavy impact weapons used by the fallen for hull puncturing in ship to ship raiding parties the scorch cannon uses a compressed solar furnace to focus and direct superheated rods of solar energy each burst is mapped to the cannon's firing matrix, allowing the wielder to hold a fire rod's charge. Release of the firing actuator triggers detonation. The longer the actuator is held, the greater the rod's explosive impact. So, uh, first point I want to point out on the Scorch Cannon is this is actually for ship-to-ship raiding parties. Keep Think about that. The, these, they're actually pirates. They're actually board. They're they're raiding and boarding other ships in space. With this gigantic can, yeah, with this gigantic cannon, right? Yeah, I mean, it, it's just. I mean, again, we all know they've been called pirates. Um, 
that's <laughs> it's this is a direct nod to that. Mm-hmm. So I now have this visual in my head with all these shot cannons on one of their ships, like the old ships, the old wooden ships back in the days of the, you know, pirates, like real, like, you know, that we, we think of. Um, and they're all sitting there. And then there's, there's a captain with an actual captain hat and a parrot on his shoulder. <laughs> and he has a peg leg. <laughs> and then he is like, fire the cannons and all the shot cannons, like, yeah, okay, I'm done. <laughs> oh, that'd be amazing. <laughs> no, I th- I do think it's it's cool when you uh, read the the previous null card when when it refers to the like kind of the base canon as the scaffold, and I and again when you come back to the scorch canon, um, it talks about the compressed solar furnace. So it's almost like each different element is, is kind of like the furnace in, in effect. And um, you have a, a cannon scaffold that you can infuse with each of these different elements. I think it's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. The, and the other thing that chat we kept talking about was, you know, the, the scorch cannon actually calls out the, um, the fact that if you hold down the trigger, <laughs> the greater the explosive impact. And like the chat kept saying, you thank God the captains don't realize this <laughs> because they, <laughs> they always fire and just like, they, you know, it immediately explodes. <laughs> so yeah. It, yeah. And I think that I, if I, if I'm remembering correctly, that's consistent across every single cannon, right? I yes. think so. Because okay. when you do the raid, you have to hold it. So I'm assuming yeah. it's the same. So, yeah, I I thought that so, it was I thought that was a really entertaining tidbit in the chat. So, Arr. I've got the last one, which is shocking. Um, yeah. It's the shock cannon. <laughs> <laughs> You're Sorry. so clever, Justin. I am. Uh, aimed from the shoulder, the arc spike in this fallen cannon can smash a sparrow in a single shot. Once lodged, the spike can be charged for several seconds to destructive effect. So am I wrong? In each of these, there is a physical projectile being fired that's um, either superheated by solar energy or, um, you know, uh, charged with a, with a shock, with the, in the case of the shock cannon. And uh, with... It's interesting to me that they they describe the energy as a a rod or a spike because you know you, when you think about energy it's like I always I I just I always think like laser like it's you know it's a line but it's uh-huh. not really like I don't I don't know when I think energy I don't think something that can be formed into a a sol- like a a solid but then when you start talking about rods and spikes it's kind of like like a core type unit, like a, a cylinder yeah. of solid plasma metal or like not plasma, but like plasmoid substance, which is not in my in my head. That doesn't correlate with energy necessarily. So I I've always thought that was really kind of intriguing. Yeah, I'm thinking like a rail gun. Uh, you know, that's okay. Okay. I gotcha. Yeah. Okay. But I mean, the, but, there's but, no, okay, but no, there's, but even, even that though, still it requires a solid projectile. Right? That's what I'm saying. There is a solid projectile here. 
the it, with the scorch cannon, they actually say that there's a rod. Right. Yeah. Well, it's, not, scor- it's not like and, a special. Right. And solar solar is plasma. I mean, it is always been and, described as and, plasma. But the null cannon, the wording is a little bit different. It it actually says a spike of void energy. And given how how anomalous the the freaking void is right the energy not not like the, the absence of anything but given how you know kind of weird that is i'll just take that one at face value when you go back <laughs> just just Sorry. go with it just go with it stop asking questions blue i mean I, I, do you have a better answer no. um yeah so yeah, it is it is almost like there's a physical projectile in the scorch one, but in the arc or the shock and the the null cannon, it's more of a of a uh, burst of energy. Yeah, I just I mean, yeah, I just I don't know, like to me to me this is just just my understanding. I'm not a physicist, I'm not, you know, anything like this. But What? No, I'm you not. Misrepresented I yourself yeah, grossly. Mis- yeah, sir. no. How did I? How did I start this podcast? No, um, the uh, the concept of energy just is always kind of bit not not necessarily immaterial because it's not. It's I mean it's energy. It's definitely present, but it's not it's not something that could be harnessed into a bullet of you know a projectile weapon necessarily. So it's it's really interesting to me. Like, cause, okay, first off, plasma is like a semi-liquid. How in God's name do you keep it in a cone when it's fired at a target? Magic. God, I knew that was coming. Space magic. I knew that was coming. <laughs> Plot device, Mr. Frodo. Plot you device. You opened yourself up for that one. <laughs> Come on, Blue. Do you not know us better than that? <laughs> I was expecting Justin. I always, I always get surprised yeah, when you I when you jump this in. this from Justin, <laughs> but not from you, Mel. I'm disappointed. Mage, Mage and Chad, they're water balloons. Duh, duh. <laughs> oh man! All right. Well, let's so, jump. Let's jump to a weapon that makes a little bit more sense. A dagger. Well, we're going to I think we'll start with the blade just because it's alphabetical. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, well same yeah. same difference. Yeah, kind All of. Right. All <laughs> right. So the next one we have is the shock blade. <clears throat> These full-length edge weapons gather arc energy from a system of shock cores and charging caps in the hilt, converting the entire length of the blade into a plasma cutting torch. Brutally effective in the hands of a skilled captain. Shock blades are not ceremonial weapons built for show. Guardians would do well to respect the threat they present. So, yeah, there are blades of shock, and that's shocking. I had no idea. <laughs> You're almost as bad as he is. <laughs> uh, almost, 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 almost. Nice. Um, <laughs> the the and this this will be a thing that we talk about with the shock dagger as well. Um, but the shock blade, I do want to point out here that it is not just a weapon. Um, this is something that is actually kind of an interesting twist to the, the 
culture of the enemies in Destiny. Whereas with the Cabal, everything was straight up, this is meant to destroy. With the Fallen, a lot of these things are actually dual purpose. Uh, and the Fallen are not unique in this. The, we'll talk about that with the Vex as well. Uh, but here you hear this. You say it's, it says the blade is transformed into a plasma cutting torch. It's not a sword. It's a plasma cutting torch. Now, it's a very effective weapon. And that's what it, I mean, it goes on to say that. But it's also something that can be used for a mundane function. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, and okay. also no, a no, leadership no. tool, I would, right. I would well, argue. Yeah. And, and again, with the fall, I'm going to hate myself for saying this, but with the fallen size does matter. So. <laughs> oh, is it the number matters. Yeah. No. The number of shock blades, the number of shock blades, <laughs> the number of no, arms so, or that too, that yeah. possess. Yeah, so this is actually a captain's cutlass from right. the old days on the high sea. This is this is and it's it's a to have one of these doesn't completely signify leadership, but it's a it's a good start. Um because the biggest one of these is usually the captain. Mm-hmm. Um and the other thing is, and I know Mel, you're gonna talk about this again, but with the shock variant weapons these were the original weapons that we kind of saw the fallen with um if you actually look at the grimoire cards and you actually look at the weapon portrayal uh again we will see that these are cobbled together um i i made the joke in chat that apparently to be a fallen you had to be you had to have a phd in the use of duct tape because that is kind of what it looks like a lot of their weapons are held together (laughs) with um and, and and I mean, it even says that you know they they have they have cobbled together shock cores and charging caps in the hilt, so they've literally kind of taken a sword or taken a blade and jury rigged batteries onto it. So that's that's uh, another nod to the scavenger esque nature of the fallen. Um, and then and then the next card is the shock dagger. And the shock dagger, it says, the shock dagger is a deadly combination of stun gun and knife. Composed of a lightweight metal and powered by a small arc charge, the shock dagger is capable of cutting through armor and delivering a staggering jolt of electricity. The fallen use them for every purpose imaginable, from light metalwork to hand-to-hand combat. Again, multifunction. Um, this is literally this is literally like a... Uh, I'm trying to think a buoy knife, right? Like this is, this yes. is something that you would use for everything. And, in, and that's kind of the shock blade is just an amplified version of this. So uh, I don't know if you guys wanted to go in there for. No, no, it's just all purpose. Uh, you know, just not pocket knife, but like you said, like a bowie knife. Mm hmm. And I mean, that's, that's really what I kind of, and again, cobbled together, uh, they, they took a stun gun and a knife, which is a terrifying idea. Yeah. It's the fallen, uh, K bar essentially (laughs) pretty much what it is. It even kind of looks like it a little bit, a little bit. It's got a weird point to it. Yeah. I guess it, uh, it does have an odd 
it's so. it's not quite a it's not quite a Tonto right style right, right, blade, yeah. but it it's, is a weird. It's a weird. It's kind a of rounded. Blade. Yeah, we'll, say well that. but I mean, and but, but if you look at it, that goes back to the multi-purpose, right? Because if they're using mm-hmm. that for metal work, I mean, if you're using that as a plasma cutter, you don't necessarily want something that's got jagged edges. You might actually mm-hmm. want, and also depending on how they utilize it, they could use it for um, soldering or soldering as well. Yeah. You know, because you could smooth with the, the tip, you could smooth uh, two pieces of metal together, depending on how high your electric current is. Yeah. So. It is it's definitely, it's definitely interesting. Mm-hmm. I, I had a quick little point um, I, I wanted to get into. We... In the industrial processes right now, there's a lot of uh, cutting that happens with plasma. Um, I've actually done this in in my job. I'm not very good at it at all. But the way this works is you pass an electric current through a gas. um, And it's usually a a pressurized gas that you're directing at what you're trying to cut. So Mm -hmm. it can be argon, oxygen, nitrogen, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of times you will use oxygen. Um, But what this does, it actually elevates the temperature of the gas to a point that it enters that fourth state of matter, which is plasma. Now, um, okay. Now the material you're actually cutting becomes part of the circuit. Um, And the conductivity of the circuit causes the the arc to kind of further do its work. So it's all kind of like, Mm -hmm. you know, a self-fulfilling prophecy. My question is, we know that the the blade and the dagger both kind of of fulfill the same type of role, this plasma cutting type of uh, functionality. Do Now, this is just completely out of left field. You think the gas could be ether? But that's assuming uh, I don't that's assuming that the electric current that they're generating isn't sufficient enough by itself, right? It's got to well, it's got to conduct across. Right. Yeah, OK, right? that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I mean, with well, because yeah, because I always use acetylene and then I never, yeah, and I never then we really can got always, into the electronic or the electric. Yeah, weeks. Yeah. Well, the the newer models use actually compressed air. Um, really? But oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, cause like with acetylene, but, you know, acetylene and you, you mix it in the, in the nozzle and it creates the, mm-hmm. the bead that you pull to cut, um, with the pot. Oh man, that's an inner, I, I didn't even think about that. I mean, that's assuming that it's, it's not all subject to Mel's previous comment <laughs> of space magic. <laughs> And that I'm just reading entirely too much into these two knives, essentially. Right, but I mean, but it is, it's a good point because the other, the other question too is if you're going to use it as a cutting tool, you need to complete a circuit. Uh huh. So how are you completing the circuit? Because don't you have a ground wire usually? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, you're correct. There's a lot of, there's a lot of kind of little holes in this thing. (laughs) Just, just. Let it breathe. Oh, God. Let it All breathe. Right. And Did then the I'll dagger the cut sh- these holes? Oh, God. Oh. <laughs> Maybe the shock pistol shot him. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. So, I, moving on from the 
from the stabby type weapons. We'll go to the to the pew pew type weapons. Shock <laughs> pistol, otherwise known as the spiky potato. Um, <laughs> the shock pistol is a simple but deadly weapon and a mainstay of the fallen arsenal. Primarily utilized by the lower ranking members of a, of a given fallen crew, shock pistols discharge bolts of arc energy. Oh, yeah. Not much else to say about that other than they're highly ineffective. I don't know. Cade, <laughs> Cade can apparently use them pretty well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's... He's the- He's the only one. You know what I just kind of noticed, and this has nothing to do really with anything, is the uh, the handle and the trigger guard on the shock pistol are really similar to Thorn. That's not a bad. Um, I'm just looking at this card right now, and I literally just kind of connected those two dots. I have no idea if that goes anywhere, but that was just an interesting. That's a very good point. Hmm. I will I will file that for future reference. Oh, <laughs> hmm. uh, so so spiky potato grew a flower. <clears throat> yes, yes, it did. Uh, All and right. Do you want to talk about the the next step up in the pew pew weapons? Yeah, I'll yes, talk about I the next it. step up in the pew pew weapons, which is the shock rifle. <clears throat> Although based on the same arc technology as other fallen weaponry, this rifle has a distinct advantage. The projectiles it fires track unerringly to target. The exact mechanism behind this is unclear, but the rifle seems to steer the slow-moving molten projectile down an artificial line. Artificial field line, excuse me. No worries. So, yeah. The shock rifle. And this is kind Literally, of, this is kind of similar to the cannon too, right? The mechanism here? Yes. So. Yes. Yeah, and these... I don't like that it doesn't explain how the projectiles track. <laughs> I don't like that. Justin, Justin, Justin. <laughs> Justin. Space magic. <laughs> yeah. Just it's it's it seems highly unlikely. Well, okay. If we want to actually logic this out, so can't do it. If the fallen are the type that that pull weapons off of other enemies and reverse engineer them and then put them into their own stuff, it's possible. I don't know how 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 likely that it did get a hold of some cabal weapons and then somehow were able to apply that technology haphazardly into their own weaponry. But this doesn't seem like the cabal. The cabal projectiles were were guided. Uh, they, were were guide, they were guided to, by AI. Yeah, by AI with the battle net and all that. This seems a lot more of a, an organic method of of causing a projectile to track. And I'm I'm thinking it it's got a lot more to do with electromagnetism than it has to do with any type of artificial intelligence. I could be completely wrong, but. Right. That's, and, I mean, and these are also cobbled. I mean, we don't know. These could be throwbacks to back when they were the Elixir, not necessarily the Fallen. 
True. Too. Yeah. So, I mean, like, that that's the other thing is, like, in the same way that Guardian ranks are recovering Golden Age weaponry and repurposing and retrofitting, the Fallen could have done something similar to a degree as well. So. Yeah. Yeah. You are correct. <laughs> you, you, are, just, you are correct. But yes. I'm just I'm just trying to picture the electromagnet that could steer a molten bolt of arc energy, you know, a hundred feet from me. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it's it's, it's space it's, magic. It is. God dang it! <laughs> God dang it! Uh, Traveler, help me! Oh my gosh! So I Let's mean, like, and, and with regards to field lines, so. And I don't, I don't know field lines again. This is kind of a, a step out of my <clears throat> comfort zone, but it says that a field, you know, a field line is, excuse me, is defined by a vector field and a starting location within the field. Field lines are useful for visualizing vector fields, which are otherwise hard to depict. Um, and there's actually electric field lines and magnetic field lines. Um, electric field lines actually point, it says they point in the direction that a positive test charge would accelerate if placed on the line. As such, the lines are directed away from positively charged source charges and towards the negatively charged source charge. So that might be, and since we're talking about arc, that's kind of more of an electric current, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> the the magnetic uh you know kind of is very as you can assume deals with magnetism uh it says by convention the field direction is taken to be outward from north pole and in to the south pole of the magnet permanent magnets can be made from ferromagnetic materials the magnetic field lines of a bar magnet can be traced out with the use of a compass so but i think the electric field line sounds like it might actually be something similar yeah, and and what you can do is um it's it's called the left hand rule and if what you'll do is do like a thumbs up, okay? Mm-hmm. Um and imagine that your thumb going out from your hand through your thumb is the direction of current flow. The field lines will actually be in the direction of your fingers curling around towards your palm. So the magnetic so when current flows in a an electrical conductor, the magnetic field lines will actually go in the rotation of your thumbs towards your palm. Does that make sense? The, Do it. Yes. Make the I mean, make like, the no, hand I mean like yes, I see, what, I see what you're saying. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm giving you a so, thumbs up. No. <laughs> Do you want the right hand or the left hand? Oh yeah, yeah. Hurt is is correct. It's you know, right hand rule for a positive charge, left for a negative charge. So so is it's that all, is that right meaning there. that the field lines are curving at a different in a different direction? Yes, opposing, but they're, but they're like counterclockwise at, versus ca- yeah. I'm like they're they're curved mm-hmm. at the same thing. Oh, okay, I see. So they're originating from your hand yeah. and directed towards the end. Yeah. Okay, I got gotcha. you. Yes, I got gotcha, you. Yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. yeah. yeah. All right, moving it's, on. So. Yeah, moving on. That was that was science class. It was very, it was very ham-handedly done, but that was science class, folks. Thank you, Enjoy. Justin. That was that was some great hands-on oh, learning. Oh, another shocking pun. Stop. 
We need to get. We need to get through Fallen. I'm just so gonna. I'm just gonna. I'm pods. gonna. Just gonna shock and awe you with a shock grenade. We, do the so, grenade. So the shock grenade is a simple, effective Fallen weapon. The core of the device is a shock core encased in an induction motor. Once activated, an arc charge builds in the core until it reaches critical mass, starting a chain reaction that ends with a devastating explosion. So they literally cobbled two things together, and then one will overreact with the other and blow up. I I would love to read the Grimoire card of the first Fallen to figure out that this works. Hey, if you take this and you stick it inside this, what happens? Yeah. Right? I mean, can you, it's like... Yeah. Yeah, so it, there's, it there's that. Keep that in screams. mind. It screams fallen. Mm-hmm. It's just, yeah, we found this with this and it made a boom, boom. So we're going to throw them at the baddies from now on. Don't put, boom, booms at the baddies. <laughs> you put some duct tape around them so they stick together. And yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> so, rip, rip Greggle the Dreggle. <laughs> yes. Oh, my goodness gracious. So moving on, if no one has anything else on the shot grenade. Um, I have the shrapnel launcher, as the French would say. The shrapnel launcher. It's a simple, effective, robust weapon system that the Fallen can build without risking vital resources. That just tells you how well made it is. Um, (laughs) Because it looks like a piece of... uh, The weapon fires loose forged canisters of explosives and shrapnel down electromagnetic rails embedded in the barrel. Captains favor this weapon for its intimidating presence. It deals solar damage. So here we go. We've got a fallen weapon that actually deals solar damage, which is kind of cool for once. Mm -hmm. And it was one of the original fallen weapons, so it was before we got the Scorch Cannon. But um, this is actually more in line with what a railgun is, because a railgun actually uses electromagnets to propel a projectile down a rail and then out the barrel and shoot something. This is the exact mechanic of a rail gun. Mm-hmm. And as, as Mr. Lefty in the chat, just, just pointed out, just pointed out. Um, the other thing that I wanted to point out with this one is the fact that again, keep in mind that the fallen were in between galaxies for a really long time. And so they had to perfect the art of building things without necessarily mm-hmm. using resources that were going to be required for, I don't know, just simple life. So this is where that, that comment in that, in the card, that's what that really does call out is the fallen are really good at building things without necessarily sacrificing Mm, sacrificing resources that are required for them to continue living, uh, which is actually kind of a cool little skill to have. If you think about it, they take, they basically take trash and build weapons out of it. One man's trash is a fallen's weapon. I like it. I like it as well. And talking about trash, you want to talk about the trip mine? Totally can do. <clears throat> so the trip mine grenade, an explosive grenade that sticks to surfaces and detonates when em- enemies pass through its laser trigger. Uh, I think we all remember these in the very, very, very 
very, very first mission that we played in Destiny. And uh, yeah, they're they're kind of nasty if you mm-hmm. kind of go through a bunch. And of they them don't at once. stick to people anymore. <clears throat> these are what? these are these are actually the same trip mines that the hunter uses. Wait, 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 wait. Yeah, they just bounce what? off people. It's really annoying. When did that happen? Oh, a while back. It was really sad. I bounce I bounce my trip mines off people all the time when I'm running gunslinger. Sad day. And I and sad day. I don't run gunslinger PvP anymore. That's why <laughs> I don't know that. Yeah, sad I don't day. either. I I I do blades. So. That's the only good part about running gunslinger. For me. <laughs> I know. Yeah, that was that was my point too. Was I was like. You just took away the fun part and get it yeah. off. Why would you let that's that's a garbage grenade otherwise? <laughs> well, you can you can uh you can set stick it on you, a wall. Yeah, you can set it on a wall around a corner. I've gotten a number well, of I'm not trying way. to be the kid from Goonies. I'm not trying to be the kid from Goonies with my booty twaps. I'm, I'm trying to throw it on your face hole. And just have it stay there. That's now, why I like my little sticky grenade. Now I have a that. now I have a mental image of Justin's hunter doing the truffle shuffle. <laughs> the, truffle the truffle shuffle. The truffle shuffle. You don't know what the truffle shuffle is. Is this an e- is this a mid like central U.S. East Coast thing? No, it's from the Goonies. Wow, that's that's a pretty big area. <laughs> <laughs> is this is this an American thing? Like I don't really know. Is this, like, is this, is this everywhere but me? <laughs> the Goonies. You've never seen Goonies? No, no, I've never seen Goonies. We'll talk later. Yeah, yeah. Will and so so to go. <laughs> the go, oh boy. Uh, God. <laughs> oh, so to go my. back to go back to the trip mine. Hurt hurt is pointing this out as well. There is a slight nuance difference in the actual construction of the trip mine. Um for the fallen, they actually have a core inside, whereas the hunter's trip mine is actually I think they fill the grenade with solar energy, so they actually like I don't want to say summon but they create it with light, whereas the fallen have already like it's like their shock grenade. It's already created. So, and then talking about other really fun, annoying things that will trip you up. Oh my gosh! We'll just slow down a bit and talk about the web mines. So the fallen have a variety. <laughs> Sorry, the fallen have a variety of tricks up their mini sleeves. <laughs> The web mine is a prox- is proximity or impact triggered snare device that releases a tangle of heavy arc energy, causing spatial disruption within its sphere of influence. The web mine's triggering mechanism ejects, ejects the physical mine into the air where it detonates its web field. The triggering mechanism and mine can both be destroyed with focused fire. So we can destroy things, apparently. Shameless plug. <laughs> <laughs> um. I thought it, I thought it was cool that they explain the web as as actually it's it's actually arc energy like that I think I mean like mm-hmm. it makes it makes sense in the in the realm of destiny but I think that's also just a really cool concept is it's actually heavy arc energy that is it's so it's energy that's been made so heavy that it's actually causing spatial disruption like mm-hmm. I I just I thought that was really kind of cool um, but yes these things make. SRL so much fun. 
They make nothing fun. They make <laughs> everything less fun. What are you talking about? You know about? how much I cuss these out during the rain? <laughs> during the rain, you have to carry can... those stupid pieces to get to the stupid thing. <sighs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. That's yeah. rough. Yeah. Well, you got to have someone dedicated to shoot those smell. Shoot those wet pines. You got to get those you down. You know what? That is that is so much easier to say than it is to do. To tell, hey, person in, you know, B or whatever, shoot these mines. What? You know that small thing that stays still for you? <laughs> yeah, shoot that. What? I think? can't. What? Oh, my God. Do you raid it? What? She raids with Fraggle. That's where he's been. <laughs> You've been raiding with my clan leader. Stop he did, it. He did say that he was going to PlayStation, so. Oh my lord. Yeah, wet vines are, are really are really troublesome, but not near as annoying as the next one, which is the wire rifle. It will find you. And it will Oh my god, you. it will yes. It has a particular set of skills. <laughs> um the wire rifle you utilizes shock cores. To charge thin wires of of an exotic metal, converting them into arc-infused molten shards with an extraordinary muzzle muzzle velocity. I can attest. I can attest that this is an accurate statement. Yes. Yes. Wire rifles are ridiculous. Those things. Those things. It will one shot you. Oh my gosh! It will will totally one shot you. Um, this is the, the, it's worth saying that in house of wolves, we did get some fallen weapons for us to use. Oh, um, notably we did get a shrapnel launcher, which was our, um, God dang it. What was it called? I should really know things before I start a sentence. Oh, Lord of wolves. Um, Lord of wolves. Yeah. And we got our shock pistol or spiky potato, which was Greg, Greg's promise. It doesn't taste a liar though. Yeah. Awful potato. And then we got the wire rifle, which was Queen Breaker's bow. So, yeah. Which is a really interesting. Yeah, it was a really interesting. uh, It was an interesting weapon. Queen's Baker. Queen's Breaker bow was. Queen's Baker bow. Queen's Baker. (laughs) Queen's Baker. Queen's Baker. So don't you know. Are we are we going to move on to more of the kind of. (laughs) Well, the Siva. Yeah. Um, so <clears throat> the next, the uh, it's kind of an interesting segue because Siva. I mean, Siva is separate from the Fallen, but all of the Siva that we really encounter in the game is basically technologically advanced remodels of the Fallen variants of weapons. So a lot of the Siva splice or the Devil Splicers that we run into, which are the Siva. Uh, weapons that we encounter are obviously from the House of Devils, um, so they've just repurposed a lot of their weapons. Um, there are, however, two specific SIVA weapons that are not remodeled weaponry. And I, uh, Mel, I think you're going to take yep. the charge, and then Justin, I think, has the turrets real quick. So you want to read right, those so real fast? Yes. SIVA charge. On occasion, in high-voltage fields, a compass SIVA will glitch off the main swarm. Activated but without a directive, the unstable mass SIVAs. Touching it triggers a chain reaction with an explosive conclusion. So, 
basically is a chunk of Siva that is just really grumpy and it's going to go do with something. <laughs> yes, actually. It kind of is. <laughs> you guys don't and know! We, you don't know! You just don't understand me, Dad! <laughs> and we pick it up and we throw it at other and we throw it at bosses and uh, that's how we deal with Braddy Siva. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, and then Justin, you want to talk? I know there is one other one, the Siva turrets, or is that mine? Am I grabbing that one? Helps if I read. So, yes. I'm grabbing that. <clears throat> womp womp. A plus. Our, a yeah, plus. A plus. A for effort on my part. All right. So, <laughs> Siva turrets. Siva turrets are mounted turrets created by the Devil Splicers to basically deny access to key areas. Uh, these these emplacements can put out a high amount of damage very quickly, uh, but you can temporarily disable them with just basically a small amount of damage. They can't be fully destroyed, however, and they will reactivate after a short time. Uh, note on this one is that Siva turrets actually don't have a grimoire card. This is just information that we have access to from our good friends over at Destinypedia and then just also just within game watching that. And so that's really the the unique Siva weaponry in there. Uh, it, and like I said, a lot of the weapons that we see with Siva are... I don't want to call them reskinned, but they basically are. They're remodeled and upgraded fallen weapons. And Siva, as we kind of discussed in the Siva episode, is a nanotechnology that basically is the directive that has been input by the devil splicers is consume, enhance, replicate. So it is literally taking, yeah, Hurt Chain saying this in chat right now. It's taking matter. And it's using an encoding process to create that or to transform the matter that was arc energy into solar energy. And then they they store this energy and release it in the weapon. And so instead, yeah, and Hertz nailing it in chat right now. Uh, shock cores are basically encoded and consumed and enhanced to be replaced with a mechanism that fires the SIVA or the solar-ish energy instead of the arc weaponry. And there are some different variation in, in the, the I guess, the attitude of the weapon. Uh, some of, like, for example, the servitors. <clears throat> servitors normally just have a giant plasma eye shot. Like, they just shoot things out of their eyes. Uh, a SIVA servitor, a servitor that's been perfected via SIVA, fires a pulse rifle type thing so it's three shots and those actually track a bit so it's gotten you know again upgraded it's been enhanced and then yeah that's and it's kind of take that takes across the board um all the weapons that siva has has enhanced kind of have different attributes slight slight different attributes but mostly it's the element right it's not arc it's now solar yeah so but on some of them Siva is the element. Well, that freaking yeah. Siva, that Siva yeah. can that Siva cannon that Axis wields, gigantic pain in the whatever you prefer to say. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! But its its whole damage type is Siva. If I'm not mistaken, I don't think there's actually a an elemental damage type to it. Oh, okay. Does it not register as an elemental? Mel, help me out here. 
it's just a giant red cloud to me. Are you talking about like with the outbreak? The outbreak? Yeah, yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, like, like, kind of like outbreak prime, but Axis actually deals this. uh, He's got a Siva cannon that just basically just shoots a big, a big cluster bomb that like just explodes in a big cloud of Siva. Yeah, there's no like actual. There's no actual. in in guardian parlance, there's no actual element to it. It's just well, so uh, it would a just big be, swarm. It's a big swarm of nanites, right? So it would is what be, they are. It would be, <clears throat> so it's basically kinetic damage, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But I mean, so yeah, so that is that is accurate. But I mean, what I'm what I'm talking about is the actual fallen weaponry, like the the enhanced wire rifles, the enhanced. Shock mm-hmm. pistol, well, Siva, I don't know what you would call them, but um, those have been kind of converted into a solar esque energy signature. I got you. So, I got you. but yeah, I think I think the specific Siva weapons itself, because I think even Outbreak Prime isn't that just a kinetic. Yeah, and and it is. It I is. mean, I mean, and it like technically on the on the I don't have it, so I don't know. But no, uh, no, it. I, I don't, it doesn't have a, it doesn't an have element. an element on it. So yeah. Okay. So, and yeah, and that, I mean, that's really kind of Siva. We, we talked more, I mean, Siva is definitely a rabbit hole of a topic. Uh, but as far as weaponry goes, it's actually pretty straightforward. Um, because of the, the command function that the house of devils has put into it, it really isn't super complex in what it's doing. Uh, and I think that's that's going to close it up for the Fallen and the SIVA topics. Do you guys have anything else you want to touch on with those? Nope. No, I think we're good. All right. So we're going to jump into the Hive. Now, the Hive weapons tend to be rather supernatural in scope, uh, which is should really no, come as no surprise to anyone who's been paying attention to the game. And I think the first, and we'll start like we have been, we'll start at the the bottom of the, the weapon chain, I guess you would call it, with the shredder. Justin, you want to grab yeah. that one? Yeah, I'm ready to shred this one. Um, the shredder, like so much hive technology, appears to be an arcane joining of uncharted sciences that verge on magic. It has no discernible mechanism, but in the hands of a hive warrior... It generates bolts of void fire. And it's 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 funny that it says it has no discernible mechanism because mm-hmm. if you actually look at the thing, you can't find a trigger one right on this thing. Um it mm-hmm. looks like maybe it, it someone's looks, lower intestines. It's just jumbled up. It's uh, just yeah, and not I, much to it. I actually have a theory about the hive weapon the well the so okay. I'm going to backtrack just a tad bit. We are not going to be talking about the paracausal weaponry of the hive. This is just, just is really just, which, which is kind of tough because the hive kind of predominantly deal with paracausal weapons. It's much similar to the way the guardians deal with it. Um, However, I do kind of have a theory that the material weapons are really nothing more than focuses for their, for their paracausal capabilities. Um, and that, that kind of stems from when we we're going to talk about <clears throat> the boomer next, and I'll, I'll reiterate this when we talk about that. But when you, when you look at this thing, like Justin was saying, when you look at a shredder 
and you can just pull up the grimoire card and look at it. It's actually got a pretty good portrayal of it on its side. There is no, there's no trigger. There's no magazine for lack of a better word. I mean, there's nothing. So the, the thing about the hive is, yeah. And hurt Jane again is pointing this out in chat. The, the thing about the hive is their entire paracausal capabilities really is the redefinition of reality. Um, we see that with their throne worlds. We see that with uh, their their ability to hide death and all that. And then, you know, even their paracausal capabilities with like sword logic and things like that actually kind of is more about redefining the reality. The Guardians are more about creating energy and you and harnessing that energy for weapons. Not so much as redefining things as much as in as creating and then utilizing. So if you understand that their paracausal strength or the paracausal function is redefinition of reality, they could actually summon void energy from nothing. And we also know that the hive have been taught what's called rituals for summoning of these paracausal capabilities. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna let Mel touch on the boomer here in a second, but think about that while she's reading the boomer card, and I'm gonna I'm gonna come back to it after she gets that card read. Okay. <clears throat> boomer. This devastating ARF weapon is said to contain a shard of some dead celestial body, lobbing bolts of rotting starfire. It is both a runous tactical weapon and an instrument of siege. Okay. <clears throat> so the shredder, first off, different different element. However, the similar similarities between a boomer and a shredder are this. Just as the shredder doesn't really have a mechanism, the boomer doesn't either. If you really look at it, it doesn't have really a trigger or anything like that. It just looks like a hunk of hivey hiveness, and apparently it contains some star magic in it. And it fires arc energy. So here's actually kind of my sort of spinfoil idea on this is that this is actually an evolved form of a shredder because if you if you view all hive all hive have a worm in them from from their basically their creation they all do that that's just a, a given however that also implies that all hive have access to a degree of paracausal capabilities also look at the fact that only certain classifications of hive have certain weapons. Acolytes only have shredders. Knights are the ones that have boomers. Some, I think there might be a few knights that have shredders, but most of them have boomers or swords. That's just tender. That's tends to be what they are. I don't, I don't recall if any acolytes, I don't think I can think of any acolytes that have boomers, but my point here is that an acolyte, so this could actually be an indication, and we know that an acolyte can become a knight and, you know, in that progression via the tribute of light. So this is actually, in my in my mind, this could actually be a signification of how much of the paracausal energy said hive soldier can summon. A shredder is much smaller. It has less mass and less destruction. And so an acolyte is capable of summoning via the ritual that the talisman of the shredder, that actual physical talisman, through the ritual that that provides, he can summon that void energy to use as a weapon. 
A boomer is a much larger talisman, and because it's held by a knight, which is basically an evolved form of an acolyte, he actually has surpassed his former limitations of paracausal capability and is now able to summon a more devastating arc source. And he's been given, in regards, an evolved form of a shredder that actually was infused with some, you know, dead celestial body. Which, by the way, there's another hive weapon that kind of uses that, and that's the annihilator totems. Those those are also used celestial bodies, kind of to use to utilize for destructive energies. So, okay, Hurt said the the acolyte adepts in totems might have boomers, but he's not sure on that. But but my point here is that it's the even their mundane weapons have a degree of paracausality to them. And so if you think about it like that, Hive are, you know, completely supernatural. Um, when the next the next weapon category that we're going to talk about, uh, once I give Justin and Mel a chance to weigh in on that idea of mine, is actually even more of a nod to that supernatural aspect. So what do you what are you guys' thoughts on the shredder and the boomer? I was going to touch a little bit more on it when I get to uh, our later section. Okay. Okay. Um, but yeah. <clears throat> All right, Justin, what about you got something? Yeah. I was just going to weigh in on the boomer. I think it's uh, interesting. They, they say it contains a shard of some dead celestial body. I can only imagine a star um, lobbing bolts of rotting starfire, which what does what happens to a star generally a big one when it dies it goes supernova it goes yeah, yeah exactly it goes supernova so um i can only imagine they've imag- they've managed to to capture in stasis a dying star in the moments uh, of supernova okay. and they're releasing that as they're firing it at you that's how i read the whole thing but i can see that yeah i can see that um, um <clears throat> as far oh, as the boomer goes yeah uh, Hurt did follow up. He said those are ascendant adepts, and so technically, in the hierarchy of things, they actually are higher ranked than most knights. So a boomer would actually be fitting. So. I got you, but I mean, so, and again, my theory is comprised of the concept of ascension. Uh, Pins is asking, so mm-hmm. the weapon ascends before the hive entity. I think the weapon ascends with the hive entity to a degree. They definitely seemed in that portion of the raid. Um, they definitely seemed to be worshiping those weapons, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, you're talking about mm-hmm. the war priest. Uh, uh, well, directly before, before the war in priest, the in the, the, the relay race. Yeah, yeah the, the, relay, the yeah. relay race. Yeah, I guess that that is technically. I mean, you can you can also read that as them holding their weapons to be blessed by the war priest. Mm-hmm. Um, True. but yeah, True. I mean, you can, you can totally see that as them holding a totem of their, their devotion, which I mean, it is mm-hmm. a totem of their devotion. And again, remember hive are all about and sword. Actually, logic. I was looking all over for that word because when we, when we talked earlier about the shredder, about it having no apparent mechanism to it. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was thinking of what's the word I want to use, not avatar totem is I think a a brilliant word to use for these hive weapons right. because they seem to be more of a totem of the malicious intent than the actual mechanism by which they're the damage is dealt. The 
the the damage or the you know the energy that's released seems to come more from the individual than the right than the actual weapon <clears throat> itself. Yeah, and and I mean I I agree completely with that. Um, and and actually this my kind of theory is also stemming from the next card that I'm going to read. Uh, and so before I read that though, I do want to say the next weapon archetype that we're going to talk about with the hive is a very important archetype in their, in their culture. And that's that of the sword or as we, as the grimoire kind of refers to it as the cleaver. Um, there are two named cleavers within the hive that we know of. That is the Sword of Crota and Willbreaker. Now, neither of these have specific Grimoire cards to them. Uh, so, how, so that being said, Sword of Crota kind of relates to the Ascendant Sword Grimoire card, and the Willbreaker definitely is talked about within Dark Drinker. Um, so we'll we'll read those cards instead of there's not a like I said there's not a specific there is a quest for sword of crota which is when we destroy the physical manifestation of the sword, um, but recall again with hive physical manifestations only mean so much because they are able to manipulate reality to a degree, so that's not I mean destroying a physical manifestation of something that is supernatural doesn't really do much, so real quick. The Ascendant Sword card goes, and this this is again a kind of a. It's you. I, I don't think anywhere in it that it says that it's from Toland, but it's assumed that it's Toland talking to Eris. It says, "Eris, Eris, what a name! A name for discord, a name for far cold orbits where no living thing should dare to go. I like this name. Let me give you a gift, Eris. Let me tell you about the power in the logic of the sword." A shredder or a boomer is a powerful weapon, but it kills a cyclically. You see, it sends out harm, and it takes nothing back. The bolt passes away into nothing. A sword, though, a sword is like a bridge, a crossing point. The sword binds wielder to victim. It binds life to death. And when the binding is done, the sword remembers. When the boomer's fire has burnt away into Axion and neutrinos scatter, the sword goes on, hungrier and sharper. Understand that this nightmare logic underpins his nightmare world, and you will see why the Ascendant Blade has so much power in there. Wherever you're pa- in your our passage we find ourselves in need of power, remember that the greatest authority here is a blade made keen by eons of use. This is the world the Hive craves a universe creased by the edge of the sharpest sword. So again, we've, you know, we've talked about this card quite a bit. Uh, the sword logic is like I was saying, amazingly integral to the hive culture, but there's an interesting fact about the swords that the hive use or the cleavers. If you actually look at the swords, uh, so if you pull up the ascendant sword card, and you look at the sword, it's not sharp. It's actually rather dull. Uh, and that simply is because that the damage that these swords do is not physical. It's actually, to a degree, metaphysical. Um, which kind of transcends into the paracausal capabilities again. But the thing is, is that this points out the, the importance of 
building a connection. This is, you know, again, the undermining or the not the undermining, the underlying thought process of the whole sword logic. Um, so I'm trying to think. I think that I mean, that's really my connection for swords is I mean, they're they are super powerful. They actually it's interesting for swords for the hive because they get sharper with use instead of getting duller with use, even though physically they are looking like they get duller and more pitted. Uh, it's just an interesting, <clears throat> an interesting juxtaposition for me. If you think about it, that a blade that gets sharper, the more you use it is actually the exact opposite of what normally would mm-hmm. happen to a weapon. Unless by use it, you meant sharpen it. <laughs> well, and to a degree, that's exactly what they're doing. They're sharpening it yeah. against the whetstone of reality. Yeah. I wish I could just say things like that and make my tools get better. I know, I right? Them. Yeah. I, I told <laughs> Well, and, and the interesting thing is, is when you look at our version of the swords, which I mean, you'll, you'll be talking about Dark Drinker here in a second. But I mean, when you look at that, that's actually a metal, you know, a, a, an actual sword and it looks like something that would need to be sharpened you know yeah like it it ours ours is a ours is a pale imitation of it and and i don't know necessarily if that's a bad thing <laughs> but but it's I, still i mean I, I i would argue that it's not but um you know i i think that that is an interesting point to be made here is that for somehow the hive have actually created a perfect weapon in the regards of the more they use it, the more deadly it becomes. And, and that's the sword learns. That's the thing is everything learns through sword logic. The sword so, remembers the sword remembers. So with that, being so said, yeah, it's, you know, we made slightly better looking swords than the hives. We're not just swinging big pieces of bone at each other. <laughs> um, so, Dark Drinker, uh, draw close now. Closer. Yes. Let me tell you why you should not fear Willbreaker, the Sword of Orcs. Firstly, its blade is not dulled by age. Each death it trades for life hones its edge, gives it weight and gravitas and insistence within the vortex of its own totality. Nextly, Willbreaker transcends liminality. Willbreaker demands a subjugation more diffuse than the simple snick and smash of a physical brink. It does not have to touch you to wound you. And lastly, and this is critical, to be taken in Willbreaker's grasp is to know true bliss, that is, to be simplified, that is, to be reduced to one's most basic level, shedding all higher order thoughts of fear or duty or selfishness. That is, to feel only pain. Do you see? Do you understand what you've done? Yeah, I killed him. He's dead. You're not going to see him anymore. Get over it. Sorry. No, I mean... That was I... me talking to Tolan. <laughs> I, I like, I like that the the to be taken into Willbreaker's grasp is to know true bliss, because you know what else is bliss? Ignorance. Ignorance is bliss. 
And that is yeah. what it, that's what's being explained. You're shedding all higher order thoughts. You don't have fear. You don't have duty. You don't have selfishness. You only feel the simplest state of your being, which is pain and pleasure. And that's exactly what it is. You're, you are so, you're, you're freed in a sense from your higher functionality within your thoughts. And that is also yeah. again, Oh, you go for it. Go for it. Oh no, no, you, you go ahead and finish. I was going to say the concept of transcending liminality, uh, which is, okay. which is kind of uh, a paracausal thing. Uh, liminality is kind of the, um, it's an in-between moment. Basically it's a threshold uh, from the, it's actually a Latin word that means a threshold. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Just got the message from Justin. <laughs> well, okay. Okay. Justin wants to talk about liminality. I'll, I'll let him, I'll let him talk about liminality. Go for it. Sorry. I didn't, I didn't know you were going to go there. So go for it. So, so no, no, no. So <laughs> as blue was saying in anthropology, liminality is a Latin word meaning threshold. So, it, well, it comes from a Latin word meaning threshold, but uh, basically it's the quality of ambiguity or disorientation that occurs in the middle stage of rituals when the participants no longer hold their pre-ritual status but haven't quite begun the transition to whatever they're trying to you know, achieve through the ritual. So they're in the kind of in-between, which comes, you know, kind of goes part and parcel with being at the threshold of something. So what, what he's saying is to be taken in Will Breaker's grasp is to, you know, transcend that liminality and and reach that next level through that. Yeah, yeah exactly. That rite of passage, um, which is, you know, apparently getting killed by Will Breaker, which I've been it's happened to me many times. It was never that fun. <laughs> I can't say sorry to hijack that blue. No, 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 no. Um <laughs> You know, it's just I saw your message. I was like, "Oh, yeah, okay, fair enough." Um, but so, yeah, it's it's the it's the transcendent. It's it's oh gosh, it reminds me so much of a lot of meditation techniques, actually. Um, and that is to let go of things, to let go of you know your worries, your concerns, your fears, and that, and to clear your mind. And so now. With meditation, the reason why to do that is to to transcend and to become a better, you know, a more grounded or more aware person of your own self-awareness. Willbreaker's point of doing this is to literally carve away those higher functionalities. Because in carving away the higher functions, you become nothing more than a puppet. And you don't have, you know, a sense of... You don't have a real sense of independence more than what will breaker allows you because it literally is breaking your will. That's the, the naming convention there. Um, so that's that's the transcendent of the liminality. It's the rite of passage into. And this is this is the weirdest thing. It's a rite of passage from independence into servitude, which in the hive mentality is a transcendence because you are you are correctly and fully worshiping those which are more powerful than you if you can stand up to that power you have the right to break that power and to make it follow you that is the sword logic you prove your right to exist 
if you can't stand up to Willbreaker, you have no right to exist, and it takes you. It takes you and transforms you into something that is acceptable to the wielder of Willbreaker. And its wielder was the Taken King. So not only that, you know, this is kind of, you know, when you're talking about the Taken, which we'll kind of touch on in a second too, the Taken have been carved. The weaknesses have been carved away. I mean, think about that. You, you are, Oryx is offering blades to these hosts that he's baptizing in the powers of darkness. The blade could be a, an echo of Willbreaker to carve away those things. And that is the bliss that is being to these individuals. So that, that is my spiel on the cleavers. Yeah. High five. High five for (laughs) teamwork. Mel, Mel, you got anything for the cleavers that you wanted to throw in? I think you were very thorough. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Sorry. This is, this is one of those things that like the, the, the philosophy of the hive is really fascinating in the way that it is a complete and utter paradox to itself. Like, you are free through slavery to a degree. And it's a very, the Faustian bargain with the worms has always been a fascinating thing for me. So the sword logic is something that I I tend to, I will go on rants as evidence from this podcast. (laughs) What? What? No. Never. Never. Uh, Okay, so moving on. To the Taken, which again, kind of, kind of like the Siva is sort of connected to the Hive, um, except the Taken actually spans all enemy races, um, with the understanding that in the same way that the the Siva enhanced the fallen weaponry, the ability to have been or the the punishment of being taken remodels the weaponry of the individual host that it has taken. Uh, you see this with uh, the, especially things like the vandals. Uh, when you get, when you face a taken vandal, all of a sudden it has the defender bubble. Um, you know, and I'm trying to think the thrall, for instance, well, the thrall don't really change. They just have a different element of their attack. They still try to pull your eyes out, but they do it with smoky thrall. No, the smoke, the shadow thrall, the, so that, I guess that is a very good point. Um, the taken wizards have the capability of summoning shadow, uh, are they called shadow thrall or are they just like shadow Shadow thrall, shadow thrall? Um, they summon those and in the card of the taken, it's literally described as you will never be alone. Um, so yeah, those, those are, I don't consider those actually thrall. Right. Yeah. There's like thrall echoes. Right. Yeah. Which is kind of creepy if you think about that for more than a second. Um, I don't want, and they're, oh, they're so easy to get rid of. You just blow on them and they, they go away. But yeah. And so I used like, to shoot my gun at them. Yeah, yeah. That works too. Bullets work pretty well, according to Cade. Um, <laughs> but they'll be bound by terrestrial bullets. <laughs> Um, so again, we have, okay, well, let's start, let's start with the cabal. Uh, you have the centurion who has the 
Liam Neeson's, right? Oh my God. Yep. Yes. Okay. So that was right. Given that response. Um, you have the phalanx who has the man cannon shields. And then the scion, yeah. which has the multiple man syndrome, right? Yes. Yeah. So, and the annoying thing about the scion is every copy has full health. Oh, so aggravating. Yeah. I call that Billy numerous. <laughs> but yeah. Um, and then that get, that takes us to the fallen uh, vandals. Like I said, vandals have the defensive bubble, and then captains have. What do captain? Oh, the captains have. Uh, it's the other way around, isn't it? The, don't captains have the no vandals? Oh no, have captains balls. have the blindness balls. Yeah. Captains throw Stevie Wonders at you. That's right. <laughs> That's correct. <laughs> I keep yes. forgetting you call them that. Still, what else would I still, you call them? I still remember when that first in that first Wheezy. raid, Weezy's oh, yeah. reaction was like, "What? Like, hey, what do you mean, Stevie Wonders?" Uh, oh, yeah, we'll talk all right. About that later. So, Hive, uh, Acolyte. I'm trying to remember. Acolyte's reformat is they summon an eye. Oh yeah, they have the that eye is the turret pain in the. <laughs> And also, if you kill an adept acolyte, it they go will. Uh, on you. Yeah, they get all ogre eye on you, and it gets all crazy. Dragon, dragon face. <laughs> um, yes. Time without Justin offending somebody. Zero. Zero. Um, and then let's see. That takes us to the knight, which has the flamethrower slash. Apparently, they get a shield. Which is really kind of yeah. backwards for. Well, they've always had a shield. Yeah. Well. Oh no. They got. They supposedly get rid of the shield. But I swear that we've. I've faced taken knights with shields. Um, but I'm not going to get in that argument. Thrall. We kind of talked about Thrall. They kind of have like a. They get jittery. Is the best way I can explain it. Yeah. Um. And then let's see wizards. They have the ability to so like element the elemental damage for all these actually I think for the most part stays the same except for a few instances. Wizard has the ability to summon uh, echoes of thralls basically, and then we get to the vex. The goblins have the ability to make another unit invincible. Right, I think that's all they have. Uh, hobgoblins yeah. hobgoblins have the tracking death ball or the death shots if you kill a hobgoblin it fires three shots yeah tracks you. yeah you're correct and then minotaurs get active camo right i think that's all we got is that all yeah. the remodels yeah, for I the taking i think you're correct yeah so that all of being, them are pain. Yeah, all of them compared are compared to their original predecessors. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, scions are a little bit easier to kill, but they just replicate like no other. If you if you don't kill all the scions very quickly, you will have a giant hall full of scions. It's not fun. Uh, okay, so that's ta- you got guys. Got anything else on taken? Nope. No takers. No takers. All right. No taken on the taken. No taken. 
All right. I'm not even going to repeat that one because I can't. Uh, okay. Name is strong. So Vex. Vex are predominantly void. There are some solar. And they're actually designed with multiple purposes. Uh, the Vex are actually kind of more focused on construction, not warfare. So I'm going to let Mel start us off with conversation about one of their grenades. Sure. It is their slap grenade. The Vex slap. use slap slap. The Vex use slap grenades to drive targets out into the open. These devices behave more like miniaturized gates than conventional explosives, channeling a void energy pulse from a remote location. So uh, it, it definitely does that because anytime they throw one of these at me, I'm like, I'm running the opposite way because that's going to really hurt. So <laughs> it's going to slap you. Yeah. It's gonna slap, slap, slap you. Slap. What did uh, the five fingers say to the face? Slap. slap. Uh, uh, yeah, it's almost like a it's 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 a, almost like a means of transporting energy. Right. I don't think you would use this to transport objects because there wouldn't be much left on the other side. But yep. as a means of 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 transmission for. Uh, I don't know what the logistics of this would be, but, you know. Well, it's also, if you think in terms of construction, it could be a shaped charge. It could be, you know, a demolition unit. True, true. Um, <laughs> Jane and chat. It pulls a slap from another space and time to hit you across the face. <laughs> slap. <laughs> um the the cool thing about the slap grenade, and well, actually, the kind of the inner the cool thing about all the Vex weaponry is the concept that it actually is channeling energy from remote locations. You'll you'll notice that is kind of a a theme within their weaponry. But um, yeah, the slap grenade, you know, it it's a grenade, it's an explosive, so obviously it can be used for for warfare, but it can also be used for multiple purposes. Um, and that kind of brings us to the slap rifle. So this is another, this is, <laughs> this is another thing that <laughs> slaps you. Um, and it says from a tactical perspective, the slap rifle is a Vex directed energy weapon that fills their analog of the light infantry role from an engineering perspective. It's something much more interesting, a terminal. The slap rifle receives a bolt of solar energy from somewhere or some wind else, and it points it at a target. The terminal's flexibility is impressive. In non-combat conditions, the slap rifle seems like it might serve as a viable field transmitter, construction tool, navigational beacon, network repeater, or any of a number of other utility functions. So, it, and this is this is really kind of the the foundation of the the thought process that the vex were predominantly construction before they were warriors uh which is also backed up within the books of sorrow when the vex kind of inter encountered the hive for the first time and they you know they they scrambled over constructing things in the in the space of the throne world um and and so this is this is again this is something that's a multi-purpose device um and again, it is channeling energy from something other than a reservoir of ammunition or pool of energy within the individual weapon, which means that their ammo is kind of infinite. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, when you can pull resources from any win, um, your ammo is infinite. That's disturbing. Yeah. Process. So, yep. And I think there's actually a variant. And again, on this next one, um, this next one actually doesn't have a grimoire card, but there is a variation of the slap rifle. And I think Justin, you were going to talk about the, the harpy. Yeah. That's the harpy slap. (laughs) Sorry. Rifle. Um, it's a Vex rapid-fire weapon that is utilized exclusively by Harpies, um, such as Supplicants, um, the Gorgons, and Theoseon, the Restorative Mind, a Harpy Axis Mind. It deals solar, solar damage, uh, being a rapid-fire weapon. If Harpies are plentiful enough, they can easily overwhelm a Guardian Shields. The player can take precautions to stop this by using machine gun or rocket launcher or sword for crowd control. So this is just like a, a little bit of a micro platform for this mounted on a harpy, essentially. And I've never, I don't know, I, I'm at to probably maybe question Destiny PD on the Gorgon. One Has yeah, anyone Gorg- ever seen a Gorgon? No, they just fire write, they just they just write you out of existence. Yeah, I don't think they actually fire weapons. But well, I think technically, I think the argument here is that it's the eye. Mm-hmm. So technically, the gorgons, as they have the same body function or the body portrayal as the harpies, they technically have the eye. I think that might be the logic there, but I don't know. I got gotcha. you. I'm with you. I'm picking up what you're putting down. I just know that as annoying as the harpy slap rifle is, what's even more annoying is the harpies that like giving explosive hugs. Mm-hmm. Those guys will those really are, mess you up. Those are the supplicants. Yeah. And some of, some of yes. them have slap rifles, but a lot of them just really want to cuddle with you. And it's, mm-hmm. it's a matter of cuddle. Yeah, no. Oh my gosh. Don't <laughs> do that again. <laughs> This is like Snuggles the Bear is about to go on a killing spree. That was bad. Cuddle? Don't do it again. At least not while I'm taking a drink. Oh, man. So uh, that's, that's the slap rifle. And then we have the next kind of step up is the line rifle. And I think, Mel, were you going to grab that one? Yeah, sure. It's the line rifle. The Vex line rifle fires high-velocity solar particle jets. Deployed on the Hobgoblin chassis, uh, chassis, uh, the line rifle serves as a sniper weapon, pinning down targets or delivering the killing blow. Like the slap rifle, the line rifle is a terminal weapon, although its source is much more energetic. Some believe the weapon pulls material from the uh, accretion disk of a galactic singularity. This would imply the Vex are near, or have already achieved, access to a terrifying range of civilization-killing weapons. Others consider this unlikely and propose the line rifle simply draws from a central Vex power supply. So, you know, that's that's not disturbing at all. Oh, no, not at all. You know, like they just have access, possible access to civilization killing weapons. But if 
I, I, okay. I have a problem with that because if they really did have access to civilization killing weapons, why are they using slap rifles and because, rifles on us? Because why does a cat play with a mouse? Uh, it's not really the Vex's game, though. No, it's think. not. It's not at all. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so an accretion disk is basically a a structure which is usually in a disk. That's why it's called a disk. It's usually in a disk-like form. Uh, it's formed by diffused material in an orbital motion around a massive central body. Uh, the cent- this that central body is generally a star. Uh, and so gravity causes the material in the disc to spin spiral inwards towards that central body. Um, and basically it's kind of, I, I think it ultimately would create a, does it ultimately create a black hole? Is that right? Can't remember. I'm thinking so. I know, I know that black holes have accretion discs, but I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm again, not, not really sure. Um, but so like a galactic accretion, uh, uh, like that's, that's, you know, a star. Okay. So having, <laughs> you have having a said galactic that, singularity, having said that, do we believe that the central Vex power source is a star? Could you say that with some kind of, I could see it. I mean, you have, you know, I, I could see. I mean, we have. Oh, there's one of the new. One of the new cards actually does talk about that. Hang on. Actually, I wasn't planning on talking about it, so I don't have that card actually pulled up. It is, uh, the Icarus Languid Sea Mercury card. Uh, this is a Rise of Iron card, and it is actually discussing a location in the Chloris Basin on Mercury. That's been designated Icarus. I believe this is one of the maps, actually. Um, and it says, This facility on Mercury has remained untouched by the Vex for reasons unknown. The Golden Age technology at this location remains intact, harnessing energy from the sun and converting it to solar light. The Vanguard has denied petitions from the various weapon founders of the city to research the solar farm and the resources it continues to collect until the Warlock Orders have finished their surveys. An exhibit to Lord Shax and his Crucible. The Guardians are free to use Icarus as a live-firing training zone. So, yeah, I think this is a PlayStation-exclusive map. Um, But there is an instance of a star being harnessed to create solar light. So it would not be out of question that the Vex have a similar or similar collection process and it might actually go further to explain why they have not really worried about the Icarus location so I mean and yeah I mean it's it's again like they're saying in chat right now it's it's called solar so the fact that it comes from a stun wouldn't be or a star would not be really super surprising yeah I could see that Oh, let's see. We got next. Next is the big weapon. We'll just hammer through this. The uh, Torch Hammer is a devastating Vex heavy weapon. Firing projectiles of strange matter, the hammer mauls targets with exotic particle decay and deadly radiation. (laughs) Void energy. Um, 
So yeah, this is this is actually one of the items in the Vex arsenal that uh, could honestly be argued doesn't really doesn't really have much of a multiple purpose. This kind of just is there to blow stuff up. Uh which I guess could be a multiple purpose in construction it could be a demolition tool, I guess, technically. It is called a hammer. So, I mean, yeah. <laughs> That's that's really the torch yep, there hammer. There you go. That's the torch hammer. Um, there is a variation of the torch hammer. Again, this one does not have a grimoire card, so we're going to refer to Destinypedia real quick on, and I think you are going to talk about the Aeon Mall. Yes, everyone's favorite. I know there's been several times you've been killed by the gatekeeper in the Vault of Glass, and it's told you that you were killed by the Aeon Maul. Um, it's a type of Vex all-range heavy weaponry employed exclusively by Hydras. It functions like rapid-fire dual torch hammers and deals void damage. So, just dual-wielding torch hammers. Just fun for the whole family. Yes, and it is very similar to Atheon's weapon as well uh i kind of actually kind of have always pictured atheon as having an aeon maul given the the firing i like that is. um there is one other construct i guess within the vex weaponry and that is the cyclops um it is as as uni in chat says the largest mortar in all of gaming history um the cyclops is basically a huge stationary vex construct that fires a powerful void weapon uh guardians tend to think of cyclops as gun platforms batteries that are installed to protect key points with devastating mortar fire um there is actually however some evidence that the Cyclops is, in fact, an enormous sensor or beacon, and that its weapons capabilities are secondary. So, again, kind of a concept of the multi multiple purposes here. What the Cyclops senses remains unknown, although its mind core is vast. If you remember, that is a part of the vanilla game, actually, when we, when we actually have to destroy a Cyclops and retrieve its mind core. Um, it may play a role in the Vex networked intelligence or in navigation across space and time. The uh, you can actually confuse Cyclops, which is an interesting con- uh, interesting thing to do. Is you if you can damage it, um, I think it actually just kind of goes into confusion, and it it will actually destroy other uh, other Vex units. So, and these these units are in the Nexus and Exo, Echo Chamber Strikes, and there is actually, I guess there's a, I haven't, I haven't done the Echo Chamber Strike, so uh, there's apparently... A yeah, it's of, not available to us at this time. Oh, is that the exclusive one? Okay. Yeah. Uh, apparently You're not missing much. Yeah, I was about to say, it sounds <laughs> like I'm not missing much, because there's apparently three of them, and they really, really don't want you going across a barrier, so... Trying to see here if we have. Give me one second. Let me try. Yes, and we actually do have a grimoire for it. So 
there you guys go. And that's that's pretty much the Vex weaponry. I'm trying to think uh ideas from chat before we let Mel take the take the helm. I uh, was basically I know she is going to take care of the first section that I had noted, which is the thematic implications of different racial weaponry. Um, and then we also kind of talked about the different boss weapons from raids and some of the boss weapons from strikes. Now, all the boss weapons tend to have uh, there's not really anyone that has a super unique weapon. There is. Oh, there is the priest in the Siva, the abomination heist. That one, he has a basically a cannon that's been made from an ogre's eye, which is one of the interesting, one of the interesting in, inventiveness of the fallen. Um, yeah, I, I mean, Atheon, like we said, Atheon ten, it looks kind of like an Aeon Mall. Crota and Oryx from Crota's End and King's Fall, of course, have cleavers, their own cleavers, Sword of Crota and Willbreaker. And then Wrath of the Machine, which is Axis, has the Siva turret, I guess, right? Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. And then, um, so, and then, yeah, we, we talked a little bit about the different boss weapons, you know, again, most, most of them, the only one that really comes to mind off the top of my head is the abomination heist as having something that was not a weapon that we already discussed. Everything else kind of fell within those of weapon archetypes. Um, Mm -hmm. and then real quick before we, before I hand it off to Mel for the costume lore, Um, we did talk about the inspiration and they're talking about it in chat right now as well. The inspirations for the different weapons basically summed up is cabal is intelligence and research. Uh, fallen was repurposed and kind of scavenger. And then hive was definitely the philosophy and supernatural and vex were tools and construction and multiple purposes. So those were kind of the inspirations that we, we kind of assigned to each of those different ones. And with that, do we want to uh, jump into the lore corner? Yeah. All right. You guys ready? You guys ready? ready? Ready. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. All right. Here we go. Sorry. <laughs> Mel's costume lore corner. Well, obviously we're not going to be talking about costume stuff today, but I did think it was kind of important to talk about the design aesthetic of each of the different race weapons and how they kind of tell a little bit about the different themes that we have been discussing through most of this um, podcast tonight. Um, So we'll go ahead and go in the same order that we did earlier. So the Cabal, uh, one of the quotes that I thought was very important to kind of summarize what's going on uh, is each round is a micro rocket capable of efficient operation in varying environmental and gravitational conditions. I think right there, going back to what we just summarized, is that the cabal are about about the, the uh, advanced killing power, precise killing power. And when you look at their weapons, they are definitely look like they're just built for one purpose. They have very straight lines. They're very clean. They're, they're, there's, they're very inorganic in shape, meaning that they're, they're very rigid. Um, 
and as opposed when you look at some of the other weapons, there's a lot of nice curves and um, um, inorganic shapes bred into the or the organic shapes bred into the weapons that you see in some of the other other races. Um, so and it it's clear that this their weapons are designed to, to do one thing: kill efficiently um, and and get as much data from their opponent as possible. Um, quickly moving on to the fallen. Um, one thing, one quote that I thought was interesting that kind of summarized what their look of their weapons does and what they kind of do is the fallen use it for every purpose imaginable from light metal work to hand to hand combat. Uh, they have a variety of tricks up many, up their many sleeves. Um, and that lends to the, their look and appeal that the weapons that the fallen use, they look slapdash. I mean, we would, Blue mentioned earlier that their main ingredient for a lot of the weapons is duct tape. So um, you see it throughout most of the weapons um, on the handles or on the grips around the bodies of the actual gun. Um, you see a lot of them actually kind of wrapped in some type of fabric of some sort. Um, I don't know if that would be considered for decoration or if it's actually there for like, okay, we're going to put this fabric around it. And then it's kind of, we're a tie a string around it and hope everything holds together. Um, but uh, like also we mentioned earlier, there's, there's a lot of um, things that may, that lend to believe that they're pirates. I mean, look at their cutlass that they use, the the sword that we were talking about earlier. It literally looks like a pirate cutlass. It has the same type of um, handguard that is on it that you would see from that relic, from that type of um, um, weapon that you would first bring to mind. So, and I, there's... It's interesting because it looks, you can definitely see that they're pulling from multiple different avenues and that you can see that these weapons are not just weapons that they're, they're used to actually survive out in the different areas that they're existing in, either it be earth or Venus or something in that nature. So, um, Okay, moving on. I'm kind of going through this kind of quickly here. Um, we have the Hive uh, quote that I pulled that thought was very uh, telling of what they are looking for. So much Hive technology appears to be arcane, joning of uncharted sciences that verge on magic. Uh, I actually really like the design of the Hive weapons a lot. I think they're very interesting. There's a lot of great organic shapes, and I feel... Um, not even just the weapons that we get personally as guardians from defeating bosses, but um, they look different from a lot of the other ones in the sense that when you first look at it, it doesn't look like a gun. Um, we were talking earlier about how they don't even have triggers and we're kind of wondering how the heck does this thing even fire? So they're very much, I think, the most foreign looking gun um, and weapon that you probably see in the game. And I think the hive are also something that are most are kind of the most foreign in our realm of destiny in terms of how they operate in relation to how our guardians operate. They're literally, they, they're the opposite side of the coin that we are. So when you also look at a lot of the, the hive weapons, I think when we were talking, um, when we were talking earlier about how they are, are relics and they are, you know, instruments of maybe even rituals and stuff in that nature some of them actually look like bones put together from previous either sacrifices or 
um, maybe someone who developed it, something along those lines. Um, and the very first one that we're looking at, which I believe was the shredder, the shredder, the face of it um, looks almost like a thrall coming at you. So you're kind of wondering if uh, there's more to it than just that. And it's just a weapon. And it is to the hive. You know, there's a lot more to it than just, you know, pew, pew, pews. So, and you definitely see that throughout the, their actual designs of their weapons. Um, I thought it was also very interesting that the boomer looks very similar to the dreadnought. I don't know if that was intentional or if it just happens or maybe I'm stretching, but I feel, I thought it was kind of interesting that the long sleek lines that you see in the boomer, you also see that in design for the dreadnought as well. Um, And those long sleek lines, you actually see through a lot of the actual design of the dreadnought through either the areas where you're walking or the pillars, they have these really long expanding hallways, almost to feel like they're going on for infinity for eternity. So, uh, yes, uh, continuing on is Siva is, uh, when I thought that was kind of interesting to, uh, quote that applied to this activated, but without a directive, the unstable mass seethes, seethes, um, and it does, it, when you look at it, it does look like a ball of unstable Siva. There's really not too much to say about that. It has the same texture and everything that, that is Siva that you see else around. So, um, and finally, we're uh, for the Vex. Uh, I'm not going to touch on the Taken weapons at all, since they're very because they're they're basically Taken weapons from from other races that we already have. And I feel it's much more important to highlight on the specific races. And on top of that, the Taken weapons there's not much beside them besides that they just look Taken. So um, with that. The Vex, and this is a quote that I pulled that I thought was very, uh, sums up what they're what they're supposed to do in terms of a weapon. Uh, slap rifles seem like it might serve as a viable field transmitter, construction tool, navigation beacon, network repeater, or any number of other utility functions. And it's true. When you actually look at their rifles, they look like they can, you know, you turn one little piece here or you slide this part down and then you twist it. And then now it's a completely different tool. It almost looks like a lot of them can be condensed into small little units. So that way, if the Vex is going like traveling or going someplace, they could easily like put it on their unit or they can carry it. Um, It definitely lends to it to be almost modular that uh, the pieces can be interchanged for to serve for different functions throughout different VEX and what they do. Um, and I thought it was kind of interesting that when the VEX go down in protection, they kind of condense themselves. And I feel like a lot of the designs on their weapons, um, on their guns, look like can also condense as well. So, uh, but that kind of sums up some of the points I wanted to cover on the different um design wise of the weapons i mean we i can't get we covered a lot of it already so these were just some extra things i wanted to add it on but um i think that's it unless you guys have anything you want to add on blue or justin justin go first 
Okay, I'll go. Um, I did want to say real quick, there was one other boss that I forgot about uh, when I was talking mm-hmm. about the custom weapons, and that would be Valis Trog, uh, who is the leader of the Broken Legion within the Prison of Wolves, or not God, Prison of Wolves, Prison of Elders. He was introduced in the House of Wolves. Um, he actually has a custom-rigged shield randomizer that basically will rotate his shield through the different elements. Whereas normally a centurion like figure would only have a solar shield. He actually has solar void arc and it rotates. It's a, like a rainbow shield. Um, and mm-hmm. then yes, uh, as we all lovingly call him rocket Mick blank face is, uh, I think it's Valis to arc his rocket launcher is on steroids. And he also has a laser cannon that he calls a chain gun. Um, but they're they're basically they're basically versions of the same archetype, um, just much more annoying. But yeah, so those were I just I I wanted to throw those in as well before I get before I get in trouble for forgetting yeah. those two. So I was so excited I beat you off the off the mark and I was muted. I was like, <laughs> yes, finally. And then and then you went. So if Justin's not gonna, I guess I will. You like you're rude. But no, um, yeah, I actually when Mel when you were talking about and I don't think it's a reach at all when you're talking about the boomer reminding you of the dreadnought. Mm-hmm. Now all of a sudden the giant weapon that that Oryx fires at the Awoken fleet at the beginning mm-hmm. of Taken King makes so much sense to me. Doesn't it? Because it's like a supernova. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 That's good yep. stuff. I see that. I see that. Yep. I like it. So I, see I what guess you did there. It could possibly be that the boomer is just a really small version of what's it's, going on on the main part of the dreadnought maybe right you know and, yeah. and if you remember how did he fire the dreadnought do you remember didn't he pull a lot he, of like he put he put his energy? sword he used his he put sword, his sword he put his sword uh, into the the plate into the hole channeled channeled basically all the energy into it and so then that he drew that up on his rage shoes. He, yeah. So do you think he like <laughs> drained all the boomer weapons just to shoot one? <laughs> no, I th- but I mean, what I mean is like, I I'm think, joking, I'm I joking. think that, I mean, he focused the energy and that's kind of what I was, that was kind of the theory that I was pointing to is that if the, if the boomer is a, a focus, if you would, for that energy pro- uh, projection onto the reality, then that would actually make sense. So yeah, I, I think that that I totally agree with that. Or he could use all the boomer energy that works too. Okay, good. <laughs> I felt like, I felt like you were just like mm-hmm, mm-hmm, just agree. I'm just sitting here, I'm seeing this knight, this boomer knight goes <laughs> to pull this thing. He's like, oh, Oryx, are you serious? Mine oh. too. Dad, <laughs> Dad, I just want to fire my gun. <laughs> You'll shoot your eye out, kid. No, I won't. I won't either. <laughs> Gosh. <clears throat> well, I think I think that is it. I think we got pretty much every single 
weapon. We covered a lot. I yeah, think we, we covered did. a lot. A lot, a lot. Um, real quick, so uh, final comments, shout outs. Uh, email topic. We do, we did not get any emails for this week. Uh, so you guys need to fix that and email me for the yeah, next do episode. that better next time. Um, so it's going to be a short turnaround though. So I will forgive you if you do not email me for the guardian vehicles, even though there are a ton of vehicles. The reason why is if I, if you wonder why I'm saying this, go look at the mind map. My, my brain is kind of mush after doing the jump ships. Um, I think I actually have captured every single jump ship. I have divided it by, um, rarity and then i've further divided it by the base class model so yes i'm a little ocd about things um so email us any questions or thoughts green eyed in chat is 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 talking about it um so email us any thoughts or questions about guardian vehicles we are going to have that stream on tuesday night so just a reminder there as well and then a big shout out to the destiny Lorecast. i got to i got to sit down with them this week and record their episode where we got to discuss the dawning um i tried really hard to curb my enthusiasm and i did not do a great job so be sure to check that episode out i believe that episode is going to be dropping on their feeds on monday so be sure to hear all about the dawning with them and i think they're actually time travel Mm-hmm. Involved there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what finish, Blue. No, that's my that's my shout out. Be sure to check out the Destiny Lorecast. Uh, it will be dropping next Monday. I think is what they. I think which uh, what Purple said that was the release schedule for that. And then send us emails on thoughts and questions. For the Guardian vehicles, I know there were a lot of questions about Transmat, and I think that that is something that you probably want to talk about. So we will, I'll be sure to try to chat. But if you have a particular aspect of that topic that you want to make sure that we talk about, um, email us. And it's just, you know, our email is focusfirechat at gmail.com. Justin. Yes. I just wanted to say a big shout out to Mel. Great to have you back. Um, definitely missed you. Blue and I, we, we soldiered on we, as best we could without you, but it's great to have you back. Um, also, great big shout out. Speaking of another podcast, um, if you don't know already, Ishtar Collective has their very own podcast now. Um, evidenced by the fact that every time I go into Ishtar now, there's a link for podcast at the top, at the top. So uh, that's awesome news and uh, definitely check that out. Um, and uh, also I just like to thank Unisys for this, for this wonderful package that I've got that I can't open. That's amazing. <laughs> that, it's- that's my fault. Cause I don't have mine yet. <laughs> Damn you, geography. <laughs> um, I'm sorry. Yes. So hopefully we will get to to visit that in in a very in, you know in a in a very soon ish type pre show. <laughs> yeah, or I <laughs> think I think we're gonna, I, I'm hoping that it gets to Mel by Tuesday. I want to I want to try. Yeah, that. we will have a, a very uh, yeah like an unveiling type thing. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yes. 
Thank you very much. But uh, Uni always hooking it up, so really appreciate that. It's, yeah, it's, and it's, it's actually Uni. from it's all it's from the moderation team, so it's all the yeah moderators. all the mod yeah. team. So yeah, and I, uh, so I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what they see in me, but <laughs> you two are awesome. <laughs> I feel like I kind of rode some coattails to this point, but oh. uh, <laughs> excuse you. <laughs> Anyways, like, coattails. Uh, what are you talking about? A big old, big old shout out to my crew, Chatter White crew, for dealing with my high maintenance behind all week long. I, I've gone to bed. If I just list my bedtimes this week, it's been eight thirty nine, eight thirty nine, eight o'clock. Like I've been seriously like an old man this week, and I've missed every clan activity, and they've given me a minimal amount of salt. So thank you guys. And then lastly, really long shout outs this time. Um, everyone's favorite ma. Everyone loves their ma. Um, Redneck ma. <laughs> who has this very own podcast. <gasps> How did I not know about this? It's what? called, right? Yeah. Redneck ma has his own podcast where he talks about everything, not just video games, everything. And it's called Ryan on the ma. No, Ryan on the mic. Ryan on the mic. <laughs> Wow, you botched that really well. <laughs> so everyone check out Ryan on the mic. Not Ryan. Don't look for Ryan on the Ma. Don't do that. That's look that's for Ryan the on the cast. mic. The Ma cast. The Ma cast. <laughs> it's not Ma. So yeah. so yeah. Everyone check out Ryan on the mic. Um and uh maybe I'll 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 tweet out the the Podbean link or something. I don't know. I'll, it'll be on the interwebs somewhere. Just I can search put it, it on show Podbean. Notes. Yeah, put it in show notes. Right. I had fun listening to it this past week. So that's cool. me. Take it away, Mel. Uh well, first, uh, it's really good to be back. I missed you guys. I I suck Aww. that life does life things into where you cannot do the things that you want to do. So, uh, yeah, so it's good to be back. Thank you guys. Um, thank you, Uni. I don't know what it is. I don't even have it yet. Thank <laughs> She's you. excited though. Yeah, I'm excited. I just got excited to get cool stuff in the mail. Like really? So, uh, there's that. Um, I don't really have other shout outs. Space magic. That's my shout out for tonight. Oh, through you, all things are possible. Oh my gosh! <laughs> yes. So, but uh, yeah, I think that kind of wraps it up. So, but again, thank you guys. Thank you guys for missing me. I guess is the big thing um, that I wasn't like, you know, like, oh, Mel, she's back. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, no, don't don't worry about that. Okay. Um. So with that, we'll begin to wrap the chat up. Thank you again to those over on Twitch for coming to spend the evening with us. If you'd like to join us, please be sure to give us a follow over on twitch.tv slash focusfirechat. Links to all our sites can also be found with our episode archives over on www.focusfirechat.com. Please be sure to email us at focusfirechat at gmail.com with any feedback or questions concerning the podcast and let us know how we're doing by giving us some feedback on iTunes or through that email as well. Be sure to also check out our partner podcast within the Guardian Radio Network over at theguardiansofdestiny.com. So until next time, focus your fire and may your light shine bright.